This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 320. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by the illustrious Jacob Paulson. You're running out of adjectives. <laughs> well, Matthew is the producer extraordinaire, and I just didn't know what to call you. I'll take it. <laughs> hey, folks, uh, welcome to today's show. Uh, Jacob and I just recently returned from Pittsburgh, the Concealed Carry Expo. That was uh, quite a trip, and uh, quite a trip back. We spent about half the journey driving through pouring rain, and then eventually it turned into snow. That was interesting. <laughs> Came home to snow in our backyards and stuff. Fun times. So, uh, oh, fun isn't the word I was, I would use. But yeah, sure, we're home. <laughs> uh, really excited. Today's episode is an interview with Scott Jedlinski, also known as the Modern Samurai Jedi. Uh, Modern Samurai Project is his YouTube channel as well as his podcast. And uh, we're really looking, really looking forward to talking with him. Uh, Scott is a heck of a shooter and also uh, is kind of known as an expert where it comes to using red dots on a pistol. He's spent a lot of time studying that, and he's a really amazing shooter. But we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, first, today's episode uh, is brought to you by High Viz, right? Yep. So Jacob and I recently had some uh, sites sent to us from HiViz, HiViz Shooting Systems, and these are the new LightWave H3. They're basically a, they, they call them their tritium slash light pipe technology. Essentially, I mean, it's fiber optics combined with tritium night sight, you know, uh, vials. And uh, yeah, we're holding them here in the package and... They, they seem pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Hive is a company I, I haven't been super familiar with until now. I mean, I, I figure if it's good enough for Jerry Michalek, you know, then it should be good enough for me. Uh, but I'm pretty excited to get these. I got I got some here for Glock. I'm going to put them on my Glock 19. And I got the, you know, you have some choices with the color combinations. And I got, the, I think you and I got the same ones, but I got the orange uh, rear with the green front and 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 the and the front that green front sight has a white uh you know circle i guess around it yep yep that's exactly what i'm holding here uh so first impressions they look really impressive i was holding these in the dark and you could definitely see them glowing uh so that's cool that we definitely want to see that and actually here's one thing i kind of like about this concept jacob most of the time when we look at night sights uh they're usually the same color usually like kind of a green right yeah, um, sure. And so usually what you see is a front sight dot that's green and two rear sights that are green. Or in the case of some other sights that I have, they might actually be like a line in the rear and a dot in the front or a dot in the front and a dot in the back. Um, this one, we have the traditional three-dot sight picture. But what I like is that the front is that green that we're used to seeing. And that actually that tritium lights through the fiber optics, so that's pretty cool. And then the rear does the same thing, but the rear being orange, they don't seem like they glow quite as bright, but I like that because 
I want my front sight, I always want my front sight to just have a little bit more contrast with my rears. And so I hadn't made that realization until I was looking at these and I was like, wait a minute. I have a little bit of, you know, like even though I can, I can still see these night sights at night in the dark, but I, ha I still have some contrast, like a very quick, like green front, it stands out, orange rears. Mm -hmm. Kind of a cool hybrid approach here. And when you're trying to pick up that front sight, right? I mean, depending on how accurate a shot you have to make, most most of the time, I think, in, in reality, any sort of defensive contest, we, we're probably going to be making fairly sh you know fast shots in short range. And so I need, my objective is to pick up that front sight somewhere in in that notch, in that rear notch. And, and there's some margin for error, right? I mean, if I, if I catch just a little bit of it, if I kind of push it to the right or to the left or it's covered up a little bit, then it is what it is. I'm probably still going to make my shot. And so for me, it's all about that high visibility front sight and then just, you know, being able to line it up somewhere in that notch, right? Just finding it somewhere. And so I agree. I'm, 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 all, I'm all for that. And I'm pretty, pretty excited about this. Yeah, man. Well, they seem well made, you know, uh, made the, the, the bodies on, on them are metal. Uh, we haven't said the most important thing about high vis yet. Right. Which is that they're from Wyoming. <laughs> of course, you'd bring that up. Based <laughs> so, in uh, Laramie, Wyoming. Laramie, Wyoming. So more more to come from me. I'll get these on the gun. We'll we'll talk about them more. I'm sure in a future episode. <laughs> but um, all around, yeah, first impressions are pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. So anyway, thank you, Hi Viz, for sending us these. We're gonna check these out. I I intend to get these mounted to. I'm still a little bit torn. I'm not sure if I'm going to put it on my Glock 19 or my Glock 17. I'm leaning towards the Glock 17. So uh, I'm going to get these mounted, though, here in the next few days. And I'm guessing you'll do the same, Jacob. And, um, yeah, we'll give them a shot. So next time you hear from us, we'll, we hopefully will have them on the guns and, and maybe even send a few rounds down range and we'll be able to give you somewhat of a first report. There you have it. Awesome. So thank you, HiViz, for uh, sponsoring today's episode. And also, I would just encourage folks, uh, <clears throat> take advantage of a 14-day trial of Guardian Nation. All right? Guardian Nation, we just shipped our most recent quarterly box. And uh, that was really exciting. And we're starting to get some feedback from first Guardian Nation members receiving their goods. And they seem really excited. In fact, I'm sitting here today wearing my, my new Guardian Nation prepared, trained, and willing uh, hoodie and it's comfortable and it seems it's like, like it's well made and I, I'm really enjoying it because today the weather is kind of gloomy and a little bit cold and kind of dreary outside and I was just out there a little bit ago and digging the I'm digging the hoodie man so Guardian Nation members uh, not only get your quarterly boxes shipped out every three months but you're also going to get a lot of amazing training access uh, online, video, etc. We're actually getting ready to publish some new uh, audio content as well for Guardian Nation members. Um, are, is, it, is it cool to say what that is yet? Yeah, I think you're safe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not quite ready yet, but Guardian Nation members are going to get free access to a podcast-only version of all the interviews we did at the USCCA Concealed Carry Expo last weekend and also 2018. So that way they can very easily digest that, that content on the road via uh, you know their phones or mobile devices or whatever and uh, those, those same recordings will be made available to everybody but you'll have to pay for them but Guardian Nation members get them free that's just one of the many benefits anyway take advantage of free 14 day trial go to Guardian Nation actually excuse me concealedcarry.com forward slash 14 day concealedcarry.com forward slash 14 day and if you want to see that's gonna actually that's actually going to add it straight to your cart and basically send you straight to checkout 
So if you want to learn more about Guardian Nation, go to guardiannation.com. All right, Jacob. Well, what do you say? Should we uh, play back this interview with Scott Jedlinski? Yep, let's do it. We'll see him on the other side. All right. Welcome, Scott. Uh, thanks for uh, being here on this uh, episode with us today. Thanks, man. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, we're thrilled, man. I've been following your stuff for a few years now. Stumbled upon your YouTube channel. I don't remember exactly when or how, but uh, you know, I kind of started watching your stuff, and and a lot of what you said made sense. So uh, I subscribed, and and here here we are. <laughs> awesome. You and the ten other people are having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you're 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 one of those uh, people that have, I think, a unique uh, talent and ability to be able to explain things in a straightforward manner and concisely, and have it all make sense. And that's not something that everybody's able to do. So, uh, so that you know, seems like it's working for you. It is. It is. I mean, uh, that's the main thing. When, when if, if people come to and take a lesson with me or come to one of my classes, uh, yes, you'll learn uh, a very uh, variations of the AIWB draw. Yes, you'll go faster. Yes, you'll be more accurate. But the biggest thing is how to, after you leave me, of how to fix yourself and make yourself better. And maybe even more importantly than that, uh, watching the kind of the techniques that I use, you will make other people better later. And that's what it's all about, right? Making, making each other better, including ourselves and others. So. Absolutely. Now, Scott, you are, again, you're the founder of Modern Samurai Project, a YouTube channel, pretty good following there. You've uh, also uh, got a podcast, the Modern Samurai podca- uh, Podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I've listened to a few of your episodes there, and it's, it's solid oh. stuff you're putting out, man. Uh, so, you know, a couple of things you're really known for is shooting a pistol with a red dot, particularly yep. a slide-mounted red dot, right? That's a whole yep. different game yep. than a frame-mounted one. Yep. And also carrying appendix and coming out of the holster and doing all that quickly and safely. Yep. Uh, you're also you've you're the what number sixteenth recipient of the fast coin, which is a if you if big you deal. count Todd Lewis, yeah, if you count Todd Lewis, I'm number sixteen, but the coin says number fifteen since right. he was the coin was zero. So. He's he's the OG. <laughs> he's the he is he's the uh, he's the alpha. So yep, for sure. And that's that's quite an accomplishment because even to this day, there's still what only maybe twenty, uh, eighteen, eighteen. Yeah, it's not quite twenty. So that is uh, that is that's an accomplishment. There's a lot of things out there where you can earn this coin, earn that coin, get this patch, whatever. But uh, still, for something that's been around for what twelve ish years, ten years, right? With something like two to three thousand pages dedicated to it on Pistol Forum, yeah. <laughs> and have only 18 people to have that coin that is yep. yeah yeah that is awesome i just did a video uh for our guardian nation members uh last week two weeks ago jacob and it, uh, doing the fast drill and actually one of my one of my first real attempts at it so uh mm-hmm. i'm just getting going there and i thought it went okay so oh, you didn't do anything embarrassing if that's what you're saying <laughs> thank goodness awesome but what, what's what, what what was your time what was not embarrassing I ran it the first time in 5.14 and my second okay. one was 4.93. Okay, there you go. No, that's that's more than respectable for giving it your first uh, college try. Nice. Sometimes I get lucky, I guess. <laughs> uh, that's the thing about the fast, right? You're supposed to do it twice in a row. So yep. that minimizes, uh, you know, 
the luck portion of it. Yep. Now, admittedly, I did a bunch of dry fire with it before I went to the range and, and tried it. And I probably did, I don't know, over a couple of weeks. I, I didn't, I wasn't able to get the range for a while. So, uh, I was just down in the basement, just, just going through the reps, man. And, uh, sure. so by the time I was at the range, it, like, yeah, I know how to do this. And I think if I spent some time with it, I could, I could, I could get it down to where it's pretty consistent. So we'll see, but I need to get one to one of, uh, Ernest Langdon's classes so mm-hmm. I can give it a go. But, uh, yeah, man. Yep, yep. Cool, man. So let's 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 talk red dots. So recently I published an oh, episode. Hold on, hold on, oh, hold on, hold on. All right. <laughs> Before we talk red dots, I, I think there's an obvious glaring elephant in the room kind of question, uh, which is where's the sword, right? Samurai project. I just assume there's a sword somewhere. It's it's near the front door. <laughs> I, I've got I've got one up there. There's one right over there's one right over there. I'm not gonna take it down because it's very it's very old. Right, and I like have like jujitsu medals and stuff hanging off of it. Uh, so, yeah, it's right there, man. It's right there. A, mo- or, a modern samurai, probably that's not the weapon of choice, or I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I just. Oh no, man, Glock seventeen or thirty four is the weapon of choice. <laughs> How about this man? How about a little thing that kind of looks like a samurai? Sword? Yeah, that, that qualifies. That's that call- all right. That's my that's my buddy okay. Matt Harris knives, man. Very nice. Love it. Love it. The MSP special. Well, that was the only question I had prepared, so I guess I'm good now. <laughs> good deal, bro. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Try to Jacob test me and I and I, and I won. Ah. <laughs> I guess I guess Jacob's never seen my samurai sword. Oh, I've seen it. It's it's up there on top of your bookcase. Yeah, yeah. It's up there. It's cool. up there. Anyway, all right. So uh, Scott, uh, yeah, you're, you're known for red dot pistol yep. use, right? Yep. So. Uh, yep. That's that's kind of a hot thing these days. It's funny, Jacob and I, and I've talked about this a couple of times. Jacob and I, I remember three years ago at SHOT Show or something, I was like, Jacob, in five years, every major manufacturer is going to be making pistols made for red dots. And he was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And it's like, it's been two or three years, you know, and like, boom, yep. like every new model, yep, works on a red dot. I mean, we just saw the uh, P365XL uh, come out from SIG. And uh, it's it's red dot ready, you know. So everything is going right. that route. So this is the new hotness. Special, yeah, they came out with a special dot for that special gun, right? It's the Romeo Zero or something like that. Right. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I always love interviews, right? Who guys aren't sold on the dot, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know, whatever. But it's the wave of the future. <laughs> right? They always say that. I mean, people say it. it's the wave of the future, right? And Again, like a year and a half, maybe even two years ago, people were still saying the same things. Uh, it's like, but no, five, 10 years, man, you know, guns are going to be made specifically for this. Police departments will have it. It's like, well, we need to accelerate that by about 500%. Because that's yeah. one of the reasons why I'm so busy. Uh, open enrollments during the weekends, right? But cops and departments and agencies want to train during the week. So I just opened up my schedule, man. And everybody is in this mad dash uh to get some training on it um and it's awesome it's awesome right so yeah no i think so i mean i think it opens up a whole new world of possibilities in pistol use uh you know i mean just starting with the practical side of things as far as not talking about you know actually you know making good hits on faraway targets or on small precise targets or whatever anything like that but just talking about you got you got cops out there that are 20 years in maybe they're getting closer to retirement maybe they're starting to have a hard time seeing their sights and yep. a red dot's going to make a world of difference for them yep 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 so uh, stuff like that you know i mean 
Yep. My, uh, my good buddy, Bill Blowers, man, he, um, you know, in getting red dots into where he was, the Kent Washington area, man, they actually, uh, maybe I shouldn't go into that, whatever. They actually brought suit against the uh, city entity that wouldn't allow them to get red dots. And Mm. they brought suit under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Oh yeah. Smart. Wow. Yeah. You had great cops, right? But just their vision was waning. Put a dot on there, boom! They're passing. They're passing the quals all of a sudden. So because they can't pass the qual, all of a sudden now they're not a good cop. Yeah. So they brought it with that perspective, and then boom, they get they got their dots, and there there you go. Mm. There you go. Interesting. Yeah. No, that's that's so true. So Scott, how did you let's let's kind of backtrack a little bit here. First of all, how did you really first get into pistol shooting, or how did you first start to take it seriously? And okay. then where did the red dot come into play for you? What what kind of made yep. you this uh, industry-recognized expert on the matter? <laughs> Careful with those words, man. <laughs> Careful with that word expert, dude. The the internet loves to feed on itself, right? <laughs> uh, so so my whole thing about uh, shooting, right? So again, I'm, a, I'm an Air Force kid, uh, which means my father was absolutely against guns. <laughs> <laughs> I killed me. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, moved around a lot. Um, my wife and I is who is also an Air Force kid. My dad retired out of Nellis, which is in Vegas, right? My wife's family retired out of uh, the uh, Northern Virginia area. Uh, I won't tell you how we met, but we met in Vegas. You know, we were both living there after hopping around to California. Then we came out to uh, Virginia. Anyway, uh, I started jujitsu in 96, trained for a couple of years in Vegas, and then moved to California. Unlike it is now, Southern California was not the jujitsu mecca it was. Got fat, blah, blah, blah. I was in the mortgage industry. Um, then we moved to Virginia. The great humbling of 2008 happens, yeah. right? <laughs> right? For everybody, especially in the mortgage industry. Uh, so I got laid off and I looked around. And I said, man, don't make a lot of money anymore. I'm this big fat slob and I got a hot wife. <laughs> Maybe I should get back to the gym. So I went back to jujitsu in 2009. So where I live in Northern Virginia, Metro DC area, just the free side of Metro DC. Uh, it's impossible to train jujitsu out here without meeting uh, guys who get to pay, who get paid to carry guns and shoot dudes in the face. Right. Yeah. Uh, so my buddy Al works for the mobile security division of the state department. Uh, great guy, except he was like a three year white belt because he kept on getting deployed. Right. But it was horrible, man. He was that six foot five, 300 pound, pure muscle white belt. I would destroy people just from heat, from hate, right? And uh, so he came back, and I was like, "Look, dude, this ain't gonna, this ain't gonna work out." So I started working out with him, giving him some private lessons to get him to his blue belt, right? He finally got that. He was like, "Hey, man, I need to pay you back." I'm like, "Dude, it's okay. You're out there doing, you know, uh, the country's work, man. All good." He's like, "No, man, let me pay you back." He goes, "Do you shoot?" <laughs> and I go, "I, uh, I own a gun." <laughs> right? And he's like, "Well." Let me let me take you out a couple of times, right? So, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, about a year, maybe a year and a half or so off after that, uh, I have bad knees from all the pickup basketball I played in uh, college, right? And uh, jujitsu did a lot to stop that, losing weight, getting stronger, blah blah blah. But man, once you start that meniscus slide in the knees, you don't stop it, right? So I had to get a knee replacement. My left knee is a knee replacement. Um, so for about three to four months, the only thing I could do to validate that man card 
right? Outdoors anyway, was, uh, <laughs> was go shoot, right? I live five, uh, not even five, six miles away from uh, our range here, Silver Eagle indoor range. And man, I just, I probably went through 3000 rounds a month, you oh, know, wow. just trying to figure out what the hell was going on here. Yeah. Um, maybe a little less than that, maybe 2,900 anyway. Um, trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, the old silver Eagle before they rebuilt the place, uh, like a lot of indoor ranges, it was two light shades above a cave. Right. So I'm trying to figure this out. You know, the internet says I need to shoot with two eyes open on iron sights. You know, I'm starting, I'm starting to get better. And then, uh, I saw a video on YouTube and while I hate to give him credit for anything, it was a Steve <laughs> Fisher video. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, uh, on that video, he was talking about an eight, he had an ATEI, uh, Glock 19 milled for a dot. Right. And they just talked about it. And I was like, man, that's awesome. Right. Cause I'm kind of a gear queer myself, you know, like, you know, all my jujitsu geese or show your role jujitsu guys will know what that means, you know? <laughs> uh, so I was like, oh man, I mean, not only appeal to my, the vision part, right. But it appealed to the new shiny awesome han solo blaster thing right uh so i knew my buddy had one he had a uh, fnx uh uh tactical 45 with a burris fast fire on it mm-hmm. right? so a 1200 gun with a 150 dollar red dot on it <laughs> right? Right. Uh, but the first time i shot it i was like oh i can see everything right and then from there, it was no looking back. Um, I think right about that time, um, uh, Smith & Wesson came out with the new core model, right? I threw a uh, J-point on that thing because, you know, I didn't really know if I wanted to commit to RMR money. Mm. So I bought a J-point shot with that until the dot just went straight up and never came back. Uh, and then I invested in a uh, RMR and just worked and worked at it. Um, you know, I think the advantage to me was is that some people it's hard to transition from irons to a dot. Wasn't hard for me because I could never really see my irons the way my eyes are, especially in the dark. Mm. Uh, so I just approached shooting, which happened to be with a red dot sighting system, like I did a martial art. Right. And the one thing that you learn with jujitsu is that nobody is naturally good at jujitsu, right? Because nobody really knows the way the body works. And it's infinite in its applications. So in all, how you get better is learn the proper efficient technique and then drill and drill and drill and drill. And then when you're done with that, drill some more, right? Uh, so I just applied that to the pistol craft. Took some training. Um, came upon an old Jerry uh, Micklick video where he said, like, if you're not dry firing, you're wrong. You know, yep. and I went, oh, so I'll just practice this stuff in my basement all the time. So that's how the, I think the skill level really increased um, as quickly as it did, you know, uh, and just pr- uh, approaching it in that method and having mm-hmm. an open mind to everything for the most part. That's your question. That's kind of long. Yeah. <laughs> the rest is history, apparently. So we actually had a, a question come in here, and I think you kind of answered it. The question from uh, listener Michael, he said, what brand red dot does the Jedi suggest? 
Yeah. So here's here's the most important thing. Here's the most important thing. Now, these days, I have a pecking order of things. Uh, everyone thinks I'm an RMR guy, right? Well, that's just because I own a whole bunch of them. <laughs> um, personally, I don't care, right, what you shoot as long as it's it's reliable, right? Right. For example, you know, the RMR, especially the version two, has been proven to be the most reliable. You still need to be careful with certain things, right? On version twos, the emitter glass, right, has had the had some issues of it popping out, right? So just be careful of that. Uh, if RMRs didn't exist, I have delta points, right? Delta points are great. What's the great thing about a delta point? The window's so big. What's the horrible thing about the delta point? The window's so big. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And if you have backup irons, like I believe you should have, uh, to, you know, kind of uh, minimize man- anything man made, uh, they look like the Sears Towers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but if a bigger window is more important to you, then that's important. Um, what else out there? The Hollow Sun fi- uh, 507C, man. I've got about 6,000 rounds on mine. It's proved very, very sturdy. But even with that, when you close that battery cover, you better make sure it's nice and flat because you're going to strip that thing out with very little effort. Yeah. Uh, if we go into the uh, the Vortex line of products, right? Here's the thing. Would I trust my life to a Vortex Mini Red Dot? I would not. Mm. Do I want them? I, and I actually, I know this, that they are working hard on improving that, right? And that's going to be the best for everybody. The example I use in my classes is who remembers a Trigicon one to six that was less than $1,800 before Vortex came out with the Razor HD. Yeah. Fair. Went, yeah. And once they did that, it was like eight ninety five for you, eight ninety five for you. <laughs> you know, here you go. Trigicon just throwing out the one to six is like nobody's. And once um, Vortex figures out how to make a sturdy mini red dot and keep their price point, what they're known for and they're great, um, uh, customer service and warranty. Hold on, man. Hold on. Cause it's going to be awesome. Just like what hollow sun is doing now, $220 on sale and you got a gr- and it's a great red dot, right? Um, the, uh, played around with the acro a bit. Very, very exciting. It's not that big guys, but it right. does look like a mailbox on your gun. So both <laughs> sides are right. Both sides are wrong. <laughs> Right. Uh, that's promising. I was out at shooter symposium with Jared Reston. He has an acro and we got hit with a monsoon and he held it up and there was no moisture because the glass is pretty much flat and the emitters are closed. Um, yeah. What else is out there? What I don't like, I don't like the shield RMS. Don't like it. Sorry guys. It's, yep. The glass is plastic. There's no inscription on there. The, uh, adjustments, uh, it's like a free spinning wheel there and you gotta have the wheel with the Allen wrench and, it's uh I hope they get better. It's just I don't think it's ready for prime time yet. Mm-hmm. So yep. 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 Curious your thoughts on uh Sig Romeo one. Uh I think the Romeo this the Romeo Pro yep. is awesome. Um so I don't know, do you ever do you ever read my review of the first uh the first uh uh, 320 Romeo when it Mm-mm. first came out. I must have missed it. So, I missed it too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. This was like two, three, maybe four years ago when it first came out. So I was the guy that got it on loan, right? Mm-hmm. From a guy on Team Sig when there was a Team Sig. Yeah. And you know, weekend it was great. 
And then I uh, racked it off of a plastic table and the glass cracked. Mm. Right. Uh, held dot. The dot was still there. It's still, but it was the design where if this was the hood, the glass went like this. And I got, I got yelled at, but two SIGs uh, credit, they fixed it with the version two, which had, which was much brighter and the glass didn't go beyond the hood. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then the new mod, and then they came out with the, with the steel shroud, right? I've got one on my desk right over there. Uh, and that seemed to be, uh, pretty good with the robustness. I wish the dot would be a little bit brighter, but they say the new one, the, uh, the Romeo pro looks like a little tank. I don't know if you guys saw that shot show. I did. I spent some time Uh, with it and it, I was impressed. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. hundred percent, man. Um, and I just want everybody to get better because for the consumers, it's better. Yep. Uh, that's why I got so excited about the Hollow Sun. I kind of knew Hollow Sun it was on to something, man. My buddy uh, Will Radford, he's been shooting the T1 uh, clone on his Glock 17 with an atom mount yeah. for four years. Wow! Years, right? Never had a never had a problem. Right? The only the only problem he had was the rear glass cracked on him and he's a he's a welder carpenter you know those dudes who do things with their hands well and uh he just got the specs on the glass and made himself a new one so he's been shooting that thing for four years oh jeez. <laughs> yeah so i kind of knew what it was you know and i was just like man i want to do a review on that why do you want to waste your time with that hobby grade crap yeah because Everything Vortex was hobby grade crap a couple of years ago. Sure. So uh, that's what I get excited about, man. The Endpoint Acro, excited about that new design, yada, yada, yada. Am I excited of it? Well, for that price point and it's an Endpoint, it better be good. Yeah. Better be good, right? But, you know, if you could come out with a good, durable red dot with a long lasting, uh, with long lasting battery life and your price point is the 180, 200 mark, right? You can own it. Yeah. yeah, the next acceleration of red dot use. That's what's going to make it explode. Because then you can buy two. Yep. Absolutely. You can buy two. So I, I definitely yeah. think that's kind of where it's at is, you know, there's there's people that are probably interested uh, in making a transition there. But yeah, and maybe they're somewhat educated as far as, well, I know this red dot is probably not, you know, good enough quality or it's not going to hold up well, or it's not, you know, good for defensive use, but I'm not sure I'm ready to drop 600 bucks, you know, in coin, uh, for, for a quality one. So. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Scott, yep. what are the, what are the two or three most common, uh, things you hear from people who push back when you suggest they should use a red dot? Like what are, what are the three top excuses or, or reasons why people say no? Yeah. So beyond the two obvious ones, which I can't ignore with, right? Cost and it runs on a battery. Yeah. Those two things I cannot, I can't argue with, right? Cost being the biggest thing. The second one runs on a battery as they rely on their cell phone to call 911 if anything bad happens, (laughs) which has a battery. (laughs) Their car to get them to the hospital has a Anyway, moving on from that, right? Uh, so the big one you hear is that red dots are slow up close. That's the other thing of like, uh, yeah, really not too sold about red dots, but they're the future, right? That, yeah, Captain Obvious being obvious. The second one is 
Well, I don't know about it up close. I think it's a wash with irons, but man, shooting a dot at distance is awesome. Yeah, dude, you're only the 10,000 person to say that, right? So can we <laughs> talk about something else? And I'm not diminishing that. Sometimes you just don't know what to talk about. So you say that, but that's Captain Obvious being obvious, right? But why are red dots easier to shoot at a distance than say irons? One focal plane, one focal plane, yep. right? So let's take that whole thing and apply it to shooting dots up close, right? Uh, how, how can one focal plane ever be harder than three focal planes, depending on distance? It, it can't. It can't. Right. So maybe, maybe it's not the mechanical issue, right, of the siding system. Maybe it's a software issue in you in that you don't know where you're looking. Right. Right. So classic, the classic drill that I do in, in my class is what I call a gross sight picture drill. Right. So you're at three yards, you're shooting at a eight inch circle at three yards. Right. So I'll ask somebody's like, Hey, who here still shoots iron sights? And one or two people will raise their hand. I'm like, okay, dude, when you're shooting, if you were shooting at an eight inch circle with your irons at uh, three yards, what, what's the sight package you're looking for? And they'll go flash front sight picture. And I'm like, yeah, that's what everybody says. Are you really though, bro? <laughs> He's like, nah, man, I'm just putting gun in the middle of brown and shooting. Yeah. So then you get, so then you get your uh, red dot gun, right? You got your, you know, blue cryptic Cerakote on there. <laughs> <laughs> and you pick the red dot on there and you, and you, you know, you did all this stuff. Now, when you shoot at that distance at that circle, unless that dot is in the center of the center of the center, smiling back at you and telling you you're a good person, you're not pulling the trigger. Hmm. Why is, why is that? Right? Because the dot gives us so much information. We're instantly in sniper mode. What I would offer is that, can you name a situation, exercise, drill, uh, where you have decided you need to get your gun out at three yards and you don't need to start shooting right now? Maybe not torture. Other than that, right. you need to shoot right now. So why don't we use the same methodology we're using with iron sights with that gross uh, sight picture and use it with the dot? Here's the thing, though. The whole thing gives us so much more information. You've got the gun, the back of the slide to put in it. You've got the glass ghost ringing and you've got the guillotine, which is the top of the housing to make an appropriately accurate shot. This is not point shooting. This is a gross sight picture to use the appropriate amount of information to make an appropriately accurate shot at the speed and distance required. Okay. Um, The biggest thing that this exercise does is it gets people to deal with the Oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap. Where's my dot? Where's my dot? Where's my dot? Oh crap, oh crap. The exercise gets them over that because they can do solid work, often rounds touching at three yards with that exercise. And once they get over the oh crap, where's my dot? And they stop trying to find the dot, guess what they find? The dot. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, to be clear, so that the internet knows, I did not invent those gross sight pictures. Those were taught to me by several different people, uh, but it works. It works. And it's a great tool with it. For example, now I used to subscribe just to the gross sight picture at those close distances, four, five, three yards. Now my index and my technique is so good. 
it's harder for me not to find the dot at those distances. Right. Right. So uh, I, I would say that, uh, you know, the whole red dot not being slow up close is a software issue, not a hardware issue. It's something sure. new and different. People got to they, they got to reprogram. Yeah. And a lot of times it's a height over bore issue. Yep. Right. You got your iron sights here and then your dot up here. Right. And if your eyes are automatically programmed to get that front sight focus, you are just a little bit lower than where that dot is. Right. Uh, and that is the one advantage that iron sights have over the dot is that they're always in your peripheral. Right. But because of that, most people's draws look like this. They, right. And you, yep. you get away with that sloppy draw on a dot. But once you learn how to draw on a dot and find the dot, go back to your irons and you're like, oh, oh, I'm faster, right? Because you've gotten rid of all of the inefficiencies out of your presentation. If you have to with the dot, now you apply that to irons and you're better and you're better. Yeah. Uh, that was one, actually maybe three. What else is it? What else is out there? The misconceptions. Um those are really the probably the biggest yeah. three. Well, can we you talk a little bit about uh, a little bit about? Uh, I, I suspect actually, just knowing our audience, that there's probably not a lot of them out there that are running a dot, especially on a defensive handgun. Mm -hmm. And so, for someone that's just getting started into using a dot, they're even thinking about it, like, "Well, oh, maybe that that looks cool. Like, I could see maybe some advantages there, but I really don't know where to get started." Like. What would you recommend for someone just getting started? How how can they learn? I mean, I think I I don't want to spoil anything here. I could obviously throw out some things here, but we want, I want to hear from you. Like, where where's a good place for them to get started? And, and especially getting used to learning how to find that dot, which obviously I think is just a lot to do with, as you said, uh, nailing things on the draw and making that all consistent. But but what yep. are some other what, what are some other pointers you have? Yeah. So. Um... At the, at the risk of being self-serving, uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel and watch all my <laughs> videos, right? Uh, the biggest thing, right? And I've kind of coined this, I get. People yell at me because I use big words. But getting rid of the useless frenetic motion uh, in their draw stroke, that's why they can't find it, right? So the other you know thing I say is, what's the, uh, the, great, thing, uh, the great thing about the dot is it goes where you're looking. The horrible thing about the dot is it goes where you're looking, right? So if you keep on moving your proprioceptive index, right, of your eye line, right, because it is, it's an index, right? Uh, if you keep on moving that where all of a sudden, okay, I'm looking at this, and then you turtle up and move your eye line, well, no wonder you can't find the dot. You just confused your body, right? You can kind of get rid of that, away with that with irons because they're in your peripheral and adjust. You can't do it with the dot, right? But is it really necessary to lean forward, put your shoulders in your ears and look at the top of your eyes? Um, it might be looking super cool, but defending yourself with your firearm has nothing to do with looking super cool. It has to, being, has to do with being efficient, right? Sure, sure. Uh, so watch some of my videos. You know, there's plenty of other good dudes out there, uh, that are sporting the red dot, you know, myself, Aaron Cowan has quite a long catalog, uh, uh, you know, on the, uh, Bill Blowers is starting to be, the bill doesn't talk specifically about the dot, 
he is the one that has probably the most draws and videos of going from a uh, duty rig ALS. Uh, more importantly, don't watch what they're doing or don't notice what they're doing. Notice what they're not doing, right? None of them are coming straight up to their eyeball and pressing out, right? It's just merited gun, boom, straight to where you're looking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Dexter is another amer- amazing resource. He, w- he wrote a, uh, is a PowerPoint presentation for agencies out there that are looking to introduce it to theirs. Uh, AJ Zito, practical performance, um, gunsmith, awesome, awesome resource as well. So there's a lot of good information out there uh, as examples of how to do the draw. The biggest thing is get rid of all of the useless motion possible because every time you introduce extra motion, you are slower, you're inefficient, and you're probably moving the sight and the gun away from your eye line which is how that's not how this works, right? It's not how this works. Well, is it fair to say that's good advice, whether you're using a dot or not, it just becomes even more critical, right? With the dot. It becomes more apparent. Yeah. It becomes much more apparent when you're using a dot because uh, your, your iron sights are kind of like a gradation. Oh, that's a great sight package. This is not so great. This is not so great. This is horrible. Uh, the dot, it's kind of pass fail. Yeah. <laughs> you, either right. it, you either see it, it or you don't. You don't. Yeah. yeah. So I always laugh. It's like, oh no, get a bigger MOA dot. It's easier to find. Yeah. An so MOA dot is still about the size of the end of a pen, man. It's not, <laughs> not that easy to find. So yeah, <laughs> sure. Sure. A good question here from, uh, from Matthew and I'm going to, I'm going to expand on his question, but he asks uh, if you can talk about uh, mounted versus on a uh, milled slide or just on an adapter plate. And along with this, if, you know, maybe it fits in the same conversation or maybe you want to discuss it separately. I'd like to hear your thoughts about keeping the irons and co-witnessing with the irons or do we get rid of irons? You know, if I'm going to put the red dot on, you know, what do I do with my iron sights? Okay, great questions. Great questions. And I want to make sure we don't forget any of those, right? Uh, so uh, before the irons, what was the question before that? Sorry. Uh, oh, yep. milled versus adapter plate. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just like dots were horrible in the beginning and then they got more and more durable and robust. That is how mounting solutions are starting to be from the factory. Right. Um, you know, I think the one that gets beat up the most because it's the tallest is the Glock MOS. And I will tell you the Glock MOS system, uh, in the beginning wasn't all that great because they decided not to include Trigicon RMR screws in the original package, which made, zero cents right zero cents right here's the screws for the burris fast fire what about the trigicon rmr use the one that came with it those are too long oh (laughs) okay okay um once they started getting at the proper height and once people started using blue loctite and once they stopped using horrible energizer batteries that's my one piece of advice everybody stop using energizer batteries in your in your red dots they're horrible the qc is yeah. Is rapid a good enough word to for my disdain for energizer <laughs> sure. batteries? Uh, uh, Duracell? Duracell. Use Duracell and Sony. I'm sure there's other good batteries out there. Those are the only two that I have a lot of experience with, yeah. right? Anyway, uh, getting back to that. Um, the problem with the MOS and the screw type is that it didn't have enough bite. Uh, my gunsmith buddies tell me in order to have a secure fit with blue Loctite, you need to have at least three threads biting in. Right. And depending on the wrong screws, man, they had one to two. 
one mm-hmm. to two. Uh, I will tell you, I have a Glock MOS gun. Probably, let's see, I got this from a friend before I got it because I want to switch optics. I'm going to say 13,000, 14,000 rounds would be a conservative figure on this. Mm-hmm. Never had a problem with a, with a uh, red dot uh, walking um, on the screws. Uh, but to even ensure that, right. Uh, I mean, like, you know, when I marked it, maybe it moved a, you know, a hundredth of a millimeter and I get OCD. I will tell you a great solution for that is, uh, the battle work screws. Uh, they're just a little bit longer and I think they're just a little bit more denser. I'm not an engineer. I don't know what that means. Right. But I haven't had any problems since I've incorporated the, um, the battle work screws. Right. There's also a company out there called CNH Precision. They're the ones that made the MOS plates that fill in the gap between the dot and the slide. Well, now they make one with the, uh, they're not recoil bosses, but the actual, where the screws go in, they're like ta- screw towers or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So now instead of getting like three or four, now you get like six or seven, right? Uh, I haven't tested that out, but just by the design, how could it be any worse? You know, going from three to six, that's, that's double the thing. Yeah. Uh, they do sit higher, which once you get used to it is, is not an issue, right? Uh, as far as slides go, as far as milling the slide goes, it's so inexpensive now, right? And if you really, it's your gun, you really dig it. Uh, plenty of awesome uh, guys have been doing work for a long time. Uh, Boresight Solutions, Jaeger Works, ATEI, blah blah blah. I think you get a slide mill now for what, like 150 to 200 bucks. Yeah, right? yeah. It's it's up to you. If you're only going to shoot RMRs, then get it milled for an RMR, right? Yeah. Uh, you you'll have that better fit in there. But if you think you want to switch around, right, or you're just not committed to the dot and you don't want to have this big gaping hole in the top of your slide when you shoot irons. And get an MOS, get a get the uh, FN 509 tactical. Uh, the Smith and Wesson Core 2.0 is supposed to be coming out soon. Um, lots of good solutions out there. Um, yep. Let's talk about backup irons, right? Um, so let me ask you this, Jacob. When you say co witness, is that an absolute co witness or is that a one third co witness? Well, if I'm being honest, I don't know the difference. So educate me. Okay, sure. Right. Here's the thing. Co the dot being co-witness with your irons is a byproduct of your dot being zeroed and your irons being zeroed. It is not a goal. It's not a goal. Right. I don't slave mine one to the other. Okay. Uh, I put the dot on there when I zero my irons so I know where they printed distance. Dots off. Right. And it doesn't matter if you got glass between you and your focal planes, right, or your target, you're gonna have some parallax. And that's going to affect the zero. So that's on there. Boom, boom, boom. You see where the irons are zero, right? Then you forget the irons and then you zero your dot. If they are zeroed appropriately, the dot should be hovering over your iron sights. Depending on the size of your iron sights, it could be a lollipop on top. Or it could be like a one third where the iron sights down here and the dots floating. Again, it's a byproduct, not a goal. Right. Uh, there is a technique out there, right? Which I think is great for when you're first starting out transitioning from irons to the dot. But just like everything else, where we start trying to train people to do certain things. 
and then we try and progress them, we forget about the progression. For example, pinning and resetting the trigger to get people to know what a straight back uh, follow through feels like. And then they get it and then we go, okay, stop pinning the trigger and waiting for the reset. <laughs> right, uh-huh. right. You're not going to do that in a hyperdynamic critical situation. You're not going to do that in the match. The only place you're going to do that is on the square range. Please stop doing it, right? So it's the same thing with the dot where people will say, hey, look at your front sight, and then the dot will appear. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just going to say it's inefficient. Why is it inefficient? So we want to get away from a three focal plane solution with our irons, right? So we want to go to a one focal plane solution with our dot. But if you go from irons to the dot, incorporating the target and the rear sight and all that other stuff, now it's a four focal plane solution. We're not going in the right direction. (laughs) Right. It's getting worse. Let's just just think about that. Uh, That's why like the shield RMS, when it first came out, it was, oh, it's so great. You can use regular sight, uh, regular height iron sights. Why do I care about that? When you're shooting the dot quickly, right, and accurately, you're not seeing your irons. That gets to the other part, right? Should I even put irons on my gun? Yes. Yes. Guess what? Your gun's already milled for them. They don't slow them down, right? Your gun's already milled for them. And if you want to annoy me, walk up to my class in a gun with empty spaces on your gun. (laughs) It drives me nuts, man. It's like, dude, come on, man. I know you got all the serrations (laughs) and windows on your gun, but do you have to have that front sight hole right there? Come on. That's me, though. Mission critical? (laughs) No. Um, I love when people go, well, if it's your competition gun, who cares if you have iron sights on there? Well, what if something happens and, you know, you had the first iteration of the Romeo ones and your glass fell out? (laughs) You're hosed. Yeah, you're hosed. It might be nice to have those backup irons on your competition gun and finish the stage. Yep. Right. So, absolutely. I think I think this is right in the same line. So a follow up question would be distance at which you zero the 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 dot and the irons. So I'm curious about your your sense yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, whether you zero your dot at 10 yards versus 25 yards is the new nine versus 45 argument on <laughs> the internet, right? Yeah. Uh, let me be clear. I don't care, right? But you have to look at the uses for your firearm versus the effort you're putting in. Okay. If you love shooting B8s at 25 yards and that's your jam slow fire, uh, then you want to zero your gun at 25 yards. But what is the, what is the, um, proper, uh, uh, method of doing that? You got to find a bench, a couple of bags. You got to make sure you have 25 yards. Yeah. Got to make sure that that target is in line with the bore of your pistol. Because here's the deal, man. If your head's low and the target is high, your zero is not going to be good when you stand up and shoot uh, offhand, right? You need to do all those things. Uh, yeah. And and what do you have to do? If you're an indoor range, you got to bring the carrier forward and then make your adjustments and then bring it back. Or you got to walk 25 yards back and forth, back and forth, right? Because here's the deal. If you can see the holes at 25 yards, why are you shooting a dot? (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm kidding because it's better for other reasons, right? <laughs> uh, but you know, that's a question you need to have. Now, the 10 yard zero, right, is if you don't have a 10 yard range, then that means you know you're. I don't know. I don't know what that means, man. You need to shoot longer distance. Right? <laughs> uh, you can usually see the holes at 10 yards, right? So, for example, the two targets that I use, uh, you know, the shoot and see targets with the red bullseye, mm-hmm. right? I use that, right? Or the PT, uh, the PTQ target with the one-inch squares, I use that. A zero to me is three rounds touching the bullseye or three rounds inside of the one-inch square, right? I think where a lot of people fall down with the 10-yard zero is they use a B8, and anything in the X ring at 10 yards is a zero. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the X ring is 1.7 inches. At 10 yards, that is not a zero. That's a coordinate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then you take it out to 25 and see, oh, my God, I'm way off to the left. It's like, yeah, dude. You, <laughs> What'd you expect? Yeah. yeah, you're not doing anything. But if you get down to that level of the one inch, right? Actually, I think the circle is like three quarters of an inch, if that, or the square is one inch, right? You're going to be in pretty good shape. Um, then what I do is I take it out to 25 yards, right? And for me, if I put the dot on where I think the bottom of the 10 ring is, it hits the X. Yeah. X, as long as I'm doing my job, right? But you've got to do you. You've got to, what is your level of, of uh, uh, application, right? If you're going to go to a Chuck Pressburg or Bill Blower's class, you better be zero to 25 yards, okay? It's not that you can't do with a 10-yard zero, but it's more work. Right. It's more work, right? If you come to my class where 90% of the class is from three to 10 yards, while we do stuff at 25 yards, it's going to serve you better to have a 10 yard zero, right? It, what you can do to switch in between, it's up to you. Yeah. Guess what? With a 25 yard zero, you're shooting at three yards. You better be holding over. And if you don't know that, depending on what you're shooting at, right? Yep. So it's, it's, it's really up to you and your application. Uh, what is right? What is wrong? I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah. No, that's helpful. I think... Um, I, I have questions I hear all the time. I was just thinking though, that, you know, like this is to me, it's not any different than having my rifle, my carbine and having it zeroed. Like regardless of whether I choose a hundred yard zero or 200 yard zero, I need to know where it hits at the other distances. So if I zero at 25, I need to know right. where to hold at 10 or five. If it hold, if it's zero for 10, I got to know where it hits at 25. So yeah. yep. know, know your gun, know your tool. Right. It, Scott, um, I got to actually wrap it up here because I'm I'm out of time. But dude, um, we're gonna have you on for Guardian Nation Live, which is our members only live show next week. I think a week from today, uh, mm-hmm. which we appreciate you doing. But I'm also thinking at some point, maybe later this summer or something. I feel like we got to get you back on the podcast and go a little bit, you know, more on some of these topics because I think this is really good stuff, man. What do you think? Oh, I think we. I think he froze on us. Oh, something happened. Or he's really good at holding still. Yeah, I think we lost him. <laughs> well, I think he broke his heart. Oh man! When you said you had to go, I said I gotta go, and he's like, "I'm out." <laughs> Snap. Well, uh, folks, uh, 
yeah, and folks are people on Facebook are commenting. We need uh, Scott back, so uh, it seems like uh, they've really enjoyed what Scott had to say here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and move forward, like we're wrapping this up, because because uh, I got to run. So uh, it, it's too bad that we we lost uh, Scott there, but uh, really good discussion here today. I thought, Jacob, what do you think? Yep, I'm a fan. I think you know, there's the short of it is you can't speak you know with that. Edu- with authority on this topic, unless you've experienced it and you've learned from the best out there. And so uh, this is a great opportunity. The conversation we've been having allows us to learn from some of the best out there. Yep. He, he's back. We got him back. <laughs> Sorry guys. I don't know what happened, man. Yeah. Oh, like that. What yep. is going on? <laughs> like maybe a connectivity issue or something there. So Scott, uh, is Comcast, is Comcast anti to <laughs> what's going on, man. <laughs> They're odd to us. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> So Scott, we'll have you. We'll, we're looking forward to having you back on our Guardian Nation Live broadcast next week. And yes. uh, as Riley said, probably again on this podcast, maybe later in the summer. So guys, if you've been enjoying this, um, you know, get ready. Next Thursday, uh, the thirtieth of May, we're going to really dive deep on this stuff, and everyone gets to ask Scott questions, not just me and Riley. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, Scott, thank you so much for being here with us today. Uh, really a, a, a pleasure, and uh, I've. Like I said, I've been following you for some time and uh, actually wanted to get you on for, for some time as well. So thanks for doing this with us, buddy. All right, man. My pleasure. Um, anybody else, if you got any questions, man, I'm pretty easy to get a hold. Just look up Modern Samurai Project and uh, yeah, send me a note. Yeah, well, modern modernsamuraiproject.com is your website, right? Yeah. And then if you just put in Modern Samurai Project across all the platforms, man, you, you'll find me. I, I'm the only one out there. There is like one like weird artist dude in Japan, but uh, I'm not him. So. <laughs> yeah. Right on, dude. So folks, go follow him. Check out his stuff, uh, especially if you're looking at potentially uh, shooting with or using a red dot on your pistol. Uh, I think you're going to learn a lot. So again, thank you, Scott. So we're going to let you all go. I apologize. I got to duck out of here pretty fast. I am late to go grab the kids from school. So with that, this is going to be a wrap. Uh, We will see you uh, next week back here on the podcast. And uh, so with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Thanks so much. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.